the heart, the epicentre of nearly all animal life. Uh, we all have one, a heart that is, so how does it work? Dr Mike and Dr Matt are here for their latest guide to the human body. We're talking about the heart. Evening, gents. Good, Good evening. evening. Now, the function of the heart, in a nutshell, what does it do? All right, so the heart is essentially just a muscular pump. So it sits kind of in the centre of our chest. It's shaped somewhat like a pyramid, but upside down. has kind of four chambers, parallel chambers. So we have two ventricles and two atria, and they kind of pump blood around the body in two main circuits. One circuit goes to the majority of our body, um, which we kind of spoke about last week with the blood pressure, mm -hmm. and the other one goes to our lungs to pick up the oxygen and drop the carbon dioxide off. And the, the, the heart itself is kind of controlled. As I said, it's a muscle, but it's controlled by its own intrinsic nervous system, which gives it its own kind of internal uh, beat. But then your external can kind of speed it up and slow it down. So just like the movies, you know how you sometimes see in those movies where they rip into a person's chest and they pull out the heart and it's mm. beating? Yeah. I mean, technically, mm. it could continue to beat outside the body if it still had the oxygen in the blood. But because it has that intrinsic um, electrical uh, It's system, own pacemaker. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it will run out of oxygen pretty quickly and then die. But right. it has that capacity. To keep to pumping. To keep pumping. Mm. Like the chick with its head cut off. It can keep running That's under right. certain circumstances. Yeah. Um, is it the same shape in all life forms? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, I think probably not. I'd say mm -hmm. mammals, probably yes, uh, but I think the if you have a look at the anatomy of the heart for different organisms, they have different amounts of chambers, so different amounts of atria, different amounts of ventricles. Um, the septums are different, so that's what separates the left and right-hand sides, for example. And so I would say that the shape would need to be different. Um, you have a look at a whale's heart. I yeah. mean, enormous. 120-odd uh, kilograms. Wow. You could have a look at the aorta, which is the main artery that comes off. You could swim your way through the aorta. It's, it's enormous. Yeah. Um, and then I think the smallest heart is that of... I think it's a, a it's a fly or a wasp, and it's the small it's the smallest beating heart. I did wonder whether insects had hearts the way we understand hearts. I, I imagine there'd be something pumping whatever it is around. But uh... well, if you look at insects, a lot of the way that so we use our cardiovascular system and the heart. So the mm. cardiovascular system are the vessels that carry the blood, and the heart is what the the pump that pushes the blood through. Yeah. And if you look at ants and smaller organisms, they don't necessarily need this system to transport the oxygen and nutrients because they're so small. A lot of the time they go use a process called diffusion where they can actually just suck oxygen straight from the atmosphere through their pores, pores mm. of their body into the and organs. And that's where they can kind of dr drown in your drink like a fly yeah. and then you put them out on the table and maybe you put a bit of salt on them and it will pull the water out of them and they'll get up and fly off I've again. I've never tried that. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, you know what? I will. <laughs> I don't really want to re-innovate a fly, but let's do it anyway. Um, does the pulse rate depend on the activity of the creature who has it? Yeah. So if, if you look at our heart, for example, like Matt said, when we look at the two 
uh, atria, they're the two chambers at the top of the heart, and the two ventricles are the two chambers at the bottom of the heart. So we've got our pacemaker for the heart, which sits in the atria, and that sets what we call the sinus rhythm, mm -hmm. and that's just the normal heartbeat that we have right now, resting between healthy heartbeats between 60 to 75 beats a minute-ish. Yep. Um, as it goes lower... Uh, it's it's and slows down. It's called bradycardia. If it goes below 60 beats per minute, that's bradycardia. If it goes above 100 beats per minute, that's called tachycardia. Uh, and if you do exercise, it just means that your muscles of your body, certain organs need more oxygen, so the mm -hmm. heart needs to pump harder and faster to push it around. Yep. But if you usually what you'll find is the smaller the animal, the faster the heartbeat. Well, the smaller the mammal, faster the heartbeat. So yep. I think there's a, a marmoset that its heart beats 1,200 times a minute. Really? Yeah. Wow. 1,200 times a minute. And so if you look at us, if my heart, so my heart beats about 70, 75 times a minute. Every mm. time it beats, it pushes out 70 mils of blood, which means every minute that's uh, five liters of blood my heart pushes out. Mm. Um, if somebody to, were to scare me, my heart can go up to 100, 150 beats per minute, so tachycardia, but then your heart can go higher and can go 150 to 300 beats per minute, that's called uh, flutter, or it can go even higher than that, and that's called a Death? fibrillation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and depending on where the fibrillation happens, if the fibrillation happens in the atria at the top, yeah. it's not necessarily a terrible thing doesn't necessarily mean it will result in death, often won't, because it, when this happens, the atria start shaking like this, like a bag of worms. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, it means it's just not squeezing nicely to push the blood down. In the ventricles, however, the bottom two, when they contract nicely, they're supposed to push the blood out of the body. If yep. it's the right-hand side, it goes to the lungs. If it's the left, it goes to the whole body. But if they start shaking like a bag of worms and beating 250, 350 times a minute that way, then nothing's coming out. And that means your body, your brain, your liver, kidneys, mm. they don't get any blood and you die very quickly when mm. you get fibrillation of the ventricles. All right. Now, my producer Tom's just taken his pulse. It's 64 beats per minute. So good job, good. Tom. He's an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to okay. think he's an athlete. <laughs> um, I'll tell I'll, 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 you. You have the, uh, the degrees. I'll go with you. <laughs> 1300 if you want to ask Dr. Mike, Dr. Matt a question about the heart this evening, then uh, do it. Pick up the phone and have a chat with us. Um, so we've, we've worked out the, the shape of the heart. Um, what damages our hearts? Oh, that's a good question. So there's many diseases or conditions or um, dysfunctions that go with the heart, and you could probably have a list. I mean, mm -hmm. Huge. Right. But the, the, the main ones usually just affect the main structures of the heart. So yeah. the biggest one by far is affecting the um, plumbing of the heart, and that's the blood vessels that supply the blood to the actual heart itself. Yeah. And this is called a condition called ischemia. Mm -hmm. Ischemia just basically mean, means a reduction in blood flow to that area. And so this just means the little blood vessels that have taken blood to the heart, which we call the coronary arteries, coronary like... Uh, coronation, mm -hmm. which crown, because it kind of goes around the heart. Yep. And they supply the heart muscle or the important nutrients and oxygen. So any kind of disease that stops the blood getting to the heart is generally called ischemic heart disease. And that can range from an angina mm -hmm. all the way up to a heart attack, which you call an, a myocardial infarction. So that 
has a whole big range of things. But generally they're classified either ischemic heart disease or um, coronary uh, arterial diseases. Mm -hmm. And so they would constitute probably mm, 12% of deaths in uh, total deaths in Australia. Yep. So in terms of heart attack, we're probably looking at one heart attack per hour in Australia that would probably kill someone. So mm. it's quite a common heart condition. Yeah. Uh, the other things would be uh, affecting the valves of the heart. So we've spoke about you have the atria that push the blood down into the ventricles, but mm. when the ventricles contract to shoot blood either to the lungs or to the rest of the body, you don't want to shoot the blood back up to the atria. No. So we've got special... Um, valves there that prevent backflow. Mm -hmm. Now, if they become too stenotic, which means too narrowed, then it's going to cause a problem with blood going through them. Or if they become too leaky and then the blood actually leaks back through them, that can be causing a big problem. Yeah. Now, a big disease in Australia, and now this sits predominantly in the Indigenous population of Australia, is called rheumatic heart disease. And that's probably um, the biggest in, in the whole world. It's probably the biggest in Australia in our Indigenous population. And so that's caused by a generally a throat infection called streptococcus, it's mm -hmm. a bacteria, and it kind of infects us. And if it's allowed to manifest, it causes a greater immune response, which can cause problems to the connective tissue in the body, but predominantly it can affect the valves of the heart. Yeah. And that's going to lead to this long-term heart condition, which predominantly it will affect the Aboriginal Torres Strait Island persons in Australia. So it's definitely a health condition we need to yeah, address. To yeah. But other Pacific islands like Fiji, it's pretty big in Fiji and um, New mm. Guinea and so forth. Do we know why? Particularly, is it is it it's, a gen genetic weakness? No, I think it's more is it sanitation. A, it's, it's yeah? a, it, it seems to parallel sanitation mm. more so. So, yeah. looking at that is definitely a health concern that we should be addressing in Australia. Absolutely. Uh, what about the effect of smoking on our hearts? What what is that actually uh, affecting? What's going on there? Yeah, it's it's huge. It's probably the the greatest modifiable risk factor that any doctor would suggest their patient mm. to stop doing. Mm. Uh, it does probably a million things, but some of the, probably the two biggest things that I can think of, Mike can probably add a few more, is it makes your platelets sticky. So um, we have three main kind of cell types in our blood. We have red blood cells that carry oxygen around for us. We mm -hmm. have our white blood cells, which is for the immune. And we have platelets, which are kind of to block holes in the pipes to stop bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, now, normally they don't stick together, but when we have an injury to our blood vessels or a cut or something, they will start to accumulate and get plugged in that hole to stop bleeding. But it's mm -hmm. thought that smoking can cause them to be more sticky and they kind of stick together. And that can cause a premature clot to form. And if that happens in the vessels in the heart, the coronary vessels, that can lead to maybe a, a heart mm -hmm. attack. Yep. The other one is just to, uh, to um, cause a, a worsening aggregation in the blood vessels that we call atherosclerosis, which is kind of like um, blocking, a blockage in the pipes. Mm. So just a buildup of muck inside our pipes. That can happen in any pipe, any artery in the body, but if it happens in the, the heart itself, that's going to lead to that kind of ischemic angina or maybe um, heart attack. Yep. Yeah. What is a heart attack? So a heart attack, we term uh, myocardial infarction. Mm. And so myo means muscle, cardial means heart, infarct means death. 
So mm-hmm. the heart muscle is dying. And so, like Matt said about ischemia being a lack of nutrients and oxy- oxygen getting to tissue to feed it, this is what happens with a heart attack. So you've got those coronary arteries. These are the arteries that feed the heart muscle tissue itself. So even though the heart is the muscle that supplies the blood and oxygen to all the tissues of the body, it itself needs oxygen and blood and it gets that from the coronary arteries. And what will happen or what can happen is that you can have some of these plaques that Matt was talking about, so Mm. atherosclerotic plaques, these fatty buildups, and they can sometimes lift off from the blood vessel. And if they lift off from an artery, arteries always go from being wider in diameter to very narrow in diameter. Mm -hmm. So if you've got this plaque lifting off, it's going to travel through until it gets stuck. And so if this happens at the heart, it's going to stop in one of these terminal branches of the coronary arteries. And that means no blood, therefore no oxygen and nutrients will get past that blockage, which means all the tissue that's supposed to be fed from that arterial branch starts to die off. And then this is a heart attack. And so what can happen is there's something called angina and something called a heart attack. And angina is recognized as this chest pain, usually chest pain that lasts around about less than 20 odd minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's the same, uh, a a similar type of chest pain as that experienced in a heart attack. And both are due to ischemic events, meaning there's lack of oxygen, lack of nutrients getting to the tissue. Um, What can happen is you can get angina through uh, exercise. And so when you start Mm -hmm. exercising, you increase the demand of oxygen and nutrients to all the tissues of your body, which means the heart needs to pump harder and faster. But some of these vessels, which have these little plaques in them, these little um, fatty deposits, they don't let those blood vessels dilate, get Mm -hmm. larger for more blood to go through. So it starts to impede the blood flow going past, and that results in ischemia, and that's stable angina. Yeah. But what can happen is that this can progress and progress to unstable angina. Um, It can progress to a situation in which you don't even do any exercise and you get this angina and heart pain that's happening. Um, And then ultimately it may progress to a heart attack if it blocks and starts to kill off that tissue. Okay. And then you have to go to the hospital, have an ECG, get a number of medications thrown at you Mm -hmm. and see what goes on. So is the angina pretty easy to deal with? Depending on the type. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you'd want things that open up the, the blood vessel mm-hmm. um, and you'd want to take some medications that try and limit the amount of fatty deposits that yeah. you have. So statins, for example, they reduce the amount of cholesterol in your bloodstream. And so reducing the amount of cholesterol reduces the likelihood of cholesterol deposits, mm-hmm. which reduces these plaques and hardening of the arteries. Yeah. There's a bit of, isn't there a bit of uh-huh going on at the moment? Conjecture about statins. Well, yeah, and cholesterol, oh, and cholesterol. too. Yeah, there's, there's and, a, and what role it plays in in heart attack. It's um, there is a number of studies, especially out at the moment, looking mm. at the role of diet, fats, yeah. and cholesterols. I mean, we need cholesterols. So, yeah. so for example, the, the cholesterol we take from our diet, we use to build the walls of our cells, for example. We use to create steroids so that... Hormones. It, yeah. Hormones within our body. So, we do need cholesterol. Um, but there's this thing called uh, LDLs and HDLs, so low-density lipoproteins mm-hmm. and high-density lipoproteins. Now, historically, they've been seen as the good or bad 
cholesterol. One in which is more likely to be deposited into the bloodstream and cause plaques, and the other more likely to be taken away and sent to the liver for processing. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, it's usually seen that the LDLs are the bad and the HDLs are the good. There does seem to be some literature coming out. Basically, uh, in this discussion, it's talking about more of the complexities associated with it, yeah. but it's still by no means clear. Okay. Yeah. So how would I know if if I was having a heart attack? What would it feel like? Uh, let, mm. let's, let's gender divide it. How would a man know he's having a heart attack? Well, I think for a male, males gen well, firstly, males are m much more likely to have a heart attack than females, firstly. Mm -hmm. um, they're much more likely to have it over a range of ages, uh, whereas a female, it's very, very unlikely statistically to have a heart attack before probably 40 years of age. Mm -hmm. So if a female was to present to emergency with chest pain, chances are the physician would not think it's a heart attack because it's very unlikely statistically for her to have um, any kind of atherosclerosis or any kind of um, build-up yeah. in her coronary vessels. Her history. Yeah. Because the estrogen produced from her hormones is what they call fairly protective cardiovascularly. Mm -hmm. But once the female reaches 65, they're about to become equal with the male. So, catch... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, <laughs> yay, menopause. <laughs> Go, you good thing. <laughs> um, but so the, so the males will much more likely present with the typical type of um, chest pain, which is kind yep. of sitting behind the sternum. Mm. It's not sharp, it's fairly dull, fairly mm. diffuse. It's, it's thought to be a bit more crushing pain, yep. pressure pain. Sometimes they can confuse it with, say, um, reflux. It's very common to um, confuse it with that. Uh, it's definitely not a sharp pain or a pointy pain, like a stabbing pain, definitely doesn't present like that at all. Mm -hmm. Like a it's, dull ache, like you would like go to the gym, pain. you've gone to the gym, you've worked the muscle too hard, and you feel that sort of diffuse, dull ache present behind the sternum. And, you know, like Matt said, it's not sharp. So if you were to say to somebody, where are you mm. experiencing it? If they say right here and they point to one specific spot, it, unlikely that that would be an indicative of a heart attack because yep. it's more diffuse. And it can be so diffuse that it goes to the shoulder, goes into the neck and so uh, forth. Left arm. And then right. for the females, it's, it's, it becomes much more, well, again, we're working off statistics here. It's, it's much more um, diffuse and less um, typical pain as a male would. So it could be a tingly in the jaw or might just be a very uh, non-discriminate pain. So it's much harder in the females to... <laughs> It's just nightmarish, isn't it? How do you know you're having a heart attack? Well, so you that? have to have an ECG. Yeah. Or well, you just, might... Just pain is our lives. <laughs> maybe that, maybe... Truly it is. It's like, well, there's always an ache or a pain somewhere. <laughs> so you most often, it just sounds like you know, the, the, the whole never ending. Going, I'm not going to tell you that you're having a heart attack. But, you know, at least if you're clutching you at your chest, you know yeah, something's it's really, going on. It really doesn't present textbook like they, they say that. Oh. And sometimes it can be really difficult. I remember yeah. one of my friends who was, who's, um, when he was doing medical school, when he was at one of the hospitals in Sydney, his um, emergency physician head woke up in the middle of the night with a bit of pain um, next to his wife, who's an intensivist, so intensive care physician. So they're yeah. one of the best. And he just said to her, oh, I've just got a bit of reflux. Don't worry about it. Went to sleep. Didn't wake up. Died from a heart attack. And he was a physician in ED. So, I mean, if he can't yeah. pick it up, what chance to, you know... Well, I mean, I, I once I presented at hospital with a really bad case of indigestion, yeah. thinking it was a heart attack. Not uncommon. And then the doctor said to me, and we, we fixed that problem, but the doctor actually said to me, 
uh, come in again because it could be. He said, yeah, don't feel yeah. stupid because... Yeah, yeah you, you always better be safe and sorry. That's right. That's right. And I mean, it is a high priority thing. Stupid. So a chest pain is usually a category one yeah. straight into, mm. straight through the door, straight in. And as Michael said, the first thing they'll do is put you on an ECG, have a look at your rhythm of the heart, and they'll know whether you're having one or just had one yeah. or are likely to have one. So my auntie went in two days ago in, in the UK. She had yep. this dull, aching chest pain, worried what was going on in the morning, more likely happens in the morning, okay. um, uh, just statistically. Do that's, we know that, why? That's Is it platelets as well, more sticky uh, okay. early, early in the early morning. Early in the morning. Mm. Mm. And it's probably to do Should with the Should we have a glass of water then? <laughs> Will a couple of glasses of water help? No. no. You both, they both no. show I'm thinking, yeah, here's a go around. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it also has to do no. with hormone levels yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, like cortisol's coming up. Oh, and so okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep. So, yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's, that's right. Trick your body sleep. into morning and night and <laughs> <laughs> don't know where you'll be at. That's it. That won't cause a heart attack. <laughs> but she, she luckily went in. She had an amb- took an ambulance into the hospital and she just overexerted herself oh, okay. the, the day before. Yeah. Uh, so it was just a musculoskeletal pain. Yeah. But again, mm. you know, if you would experience it again, you would yeah. probably still go in. Yeah. All right. Certain yeah. other things go with it. You know, you're out of breath. You become mm. sweaty. Um, you know, people look at you and you go on white, certain things well, like that. Just walking upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how helpful this is. <laughs> but it, show, it, it does show you, though, that things you can think are normal might not be mm. and to and to just be really hyper-aware of, of it's important. your body. Well, yeah. I, I remember that I, had a, um, I had a student come to me after I did a lecture on heart disease and heart attacks and angina mm. and so forth. And the student said to me, um, I just want to thank you because it was a couple of days after the lecture that my father experienced a heart attack and we were able to, I was able to recognize exactly what was going on and that, yeah. okay, this may be very severe. We need to do something straight away. And so it's important that if you do get chest pain, this dull mm. aching chest pain that's, you know, lasting many minutes that, yeah. you know, it's, you should Go in and get it checked. Mm. Or if you're a woman, just jaw pain and pain just vaguely anywhere in your body that you can't can't explain. (laughs) If you're over, let's go with 50. Get it checked. Yeah, get it checked. People shouldn't be experiencing pain. That's the thing. It's really not just a textbook pain. That's my take-home point. One One of my friends, he had a heart attack the whole day and he just thought it was a bit uncomfortable. He just, a whole day. And he, and he went out walking. How does that happen, though? Well, like, I thought, and no doubt there were people going, I thought once you had a heart attack, like you had five or six minutes, so then you were gone. Well, it really depends on how severe the blockage yeah. is. Where if the blockage is, yeah. how severe the blockage is. Because last week when we spoke about uh, blood pressure, I said that because it's you've got this circular vessel that mm. the blood moves through, that if you block half, you'd think you're only blocking half of the blood, but you're blocking it to the power of four. So well, only one-sixteenth the amount of blood gets through. So yep. it doesn't take much of what we call an occlusion or a blockage to actually grossly limit the amount of oxygen that can get past. And so uh, if you're doing exercise, so you may have a partial 40% block, for example, but if you do exercise, then what will happen is because you're increasing the oxygen demand, you won't be getting it past that Mm. 40% block. And that 40% block may lead to either angina or some potential worse effect downstream. So yeah, yeah, it it is variable, variable in the moment, variable in the vessel. What part of the heart's been affected? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What, is any part of this genetic? Because I have uh, one of my parents and one of my siblings have stents in exactly the same places. 
uh, one of them smoked, one of them didn't. Mm. And I kind of am hoping I won't take after, even though I'm older than uh, than my sibling. So it, there's I, a, I'm look, kind there's of a genetic component to a lot of things. Everything, just everything. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, you'll find genetic markers that will correlate to heart disease. Yeah. definitely. Um, so something else to look out for if you, if you if you've had a family where you know on one side everyone's had a heart issue of well, some well, the thing of is some that sort. You're going to look at. At what point in their life did they have okay. the heart history? So, yeah. because what you're going to find is that the good number of individuals over the age of 55, 65 will have some sort of cardiovascular disease. I mean, yeah. one in or three maybe, of us. Maybe everyone at 80 will die probably from cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, if your grandfather, grandmother. Yes. As, as harsh as that sounds. Yeah. yeah. And so if it's yeah. if it's presented, if the family history is prior to 55, 65 years of age, then that would probably be a more significant family history to note yeah. and mm. may be more indicative of something, something to take note. Mm. Yeah. What do we know about the heart that we didn't say 10, 10, 20 years ago? What are we learning? That's a good question because, I mean, when it comes to the anatomy of the heart, we've been pretty good for a while. Mm. Um, I mean, when I say for a while, it was... Uh, only a couple of hundred years ago, in which we still thought that the heart was the soul of the body, and yeah, well, that was the pineal gland and the pineal. <laughs> well, the, every every organ's been the soul of the body at some point. Yeah. Um, but something that anything you can think of, I'll probably look more at its regenerative potential. So mm -hmm. looking at ways that we can maybe put stem cells into it to, because once the heart dies yep. through a heart attack, it really has a very limited capacity to regenerate and it probably scars up. And then that would lead to a condition probably more like then heart failure, which means it just can't pump enough out to the body. Yep. But we're starting to think that maybe if we can somehow put new myocytes, new kind of mm -hmm. stem cells into the heart, it might be able to regenerate. Do we have a way of clearing out the, the sticky platelets, like all the, oh, you know, the build-up of... Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a few ways. So, if it, well, take a step back. If, if a person wants to present to emergency with a heart attack, mm -hmm. um, they... One of the first things they would do would well, actually the first thing they'll do they'd put you on an ECG and they would yep. they would determine whether it's what we call a, a STEMI or an ST elevation in, infarction, which means probably the, the the most serious, which through the whole wall of the the muscle is dead. Whereas there's a non-STEMI, which kind of the trace goes in the opposite direction, and that's probably a partial thickness. And so the way that they might treat that differently, they might give something they call a clot buster, and they put a drug in that basically busts that clot up okay. and disintegrates into small amounts. Good. And so that could be a good thing. Um, but another thing they're likely to do is do something they call an angiogram where they put a, um, a wire mm -hmm. into a artery in your leg and it would feed all the way up yep. to the top of your heart and then they would put a big x-ray above your heart that sounds uncomfortable. Are you awake for that? Oh, partly. You're sedated, but you're okay. still awake. Um, now, normally you can't see the heart under an X-ray because it's just not dense enough. Yeah. But then they, with that wire, they shoot in some contrast, and they can see the heart fill in and empty in with that contrast, and mm. they know where the blockage is. Yep. So then they can feed another wire to that blockage. Yeah. And they can then balloon it. So they pump up a balloon, and it squashes that clot or that. Um, substance to the, to away from the occlusion and squashes it out to the walls. Okay. Now, if that remains, then they might put a, a um, stent in, which is what you spoke about, yeah. which just is like a spring that pushes it on either side. And that's probably got a substance in there to stop any more clots forming. Mm. 
However, if the heart attack's bad enough and it's really got a lot of vessels occluded, they would do something they call a bypass, where they mm. get other vessels in your body, usually in your arm or maybe leg, and they bring it and they bypass that clot so they got to go around it. Mm. As you would, say, on the highway, you've got a big accident yeah. on the highway, they'd go around mm. it mm. and bypass it. Oh, and that way, now the difficulty there is they actually generally have to stop the heart. So yeah. they have to, op to do a bypass, they have to kind of open your chest right open, chemically stop it with a, like, a potassium. So just give you a big overdose of potassium and your heart literally stops. And they do the plumbing. The plumbing part's probably quite easy. Um, and they've got a machine as well that, that you bypass it up to yeah. that sort of helps push the blood still around the body. And, and oxygenates. Stuff. Oxygenates yeah. and all that type of stuff. You need that. <laughs> and then um, they restart it and just bring a shock back into it and then the heart starts pumping again. Now, oh. they're probably a, f a bit unwelled for the first day or so because yeah. they've gone through a bit of an ordeal. But in theory, they should be able to recover quite well from it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's all fascinating. <laughs> that's Thank amazing. you so much.